start and we'll just have a conversation. Okay. The Westport Library and the Crick Center for the Arts proudly present Oh Brother, Not Another Podcast, now on iTunes, by the way, with me, Migs Burroughs. And I'm Trace Burroughs. Today we're excited to have Tony Award-winning Broadway singer and actress Joanna Gleason, who's performed in many Broadway musicals, including Into the Woods, The Real Thing, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, and many others. She's also been in dozens of television shows and feature films. We share uh, an unusual connection because um, her father, uh, game show host Monty Hall, Let's Make a Deal, Strike It Rich, and 21, and Video Village, which I was a contestant on when I was 10 years old, and uh, no. A whole lot of stuff on. So. <laughs> you, you were on Video Village? Yes, yeah. I was on Video Village. I was the biggest winner they had. So I was there when Jack Nars went over to Monty. So I was there. Jack Nars was the host. Towards, I, don't know, I don't know how many shows I was on. And then Monty was the host. And I was, and I was the jealous big brother who had to watch my <laughs> brother on TV winning truckloads of prizes that used to pull up in our driveway. You know? Did you get to do the penny pile? That was my yeah, got to do the penny pile. <laughs> <laughs> my mother came up and turned the big dice thing, you know. That's so cool. So then you were on Kiddio Village. You know, I don't remember. I saw it said Junior Video Village. I don't remember the yeah. word Junior being in, in that, but if that's what it was. I think it was Kiddio Village. I don't know that he, maybe he did do Strike It Rich. I know that he took over for Jack Barry during the quiz show scandal when Barry right. had to absent himself while things were being investigated and dad took over for a while. When I auditioned to go on Video Village, I was approached half a dozen times by adults saying, did you talk to anyone in the hall? Did anyone talk yeah. to you? And yeah. they're so paranoid that yeah, it's cheating. Yeah. Yeah. Right, exactly. It said in one of your uh, write-ups that, that you had appeared on, on um, one of your dad's shows. Was, did you ever go on Video Village? No, not no. true. You have to be careful what you grab off the Yeah, no, I know. That's what I'm asking. <laughs> I, I wasn't born in Winnipeg. I was born in Toronto. My folks were born in Winnipeg. And I never was on my dad's show, to my knowledge, unless I was drugged and taken there. <laughs> never on my dad's show. Nope. Uh, you know, he kept, he kept show business uh, really out of the family life. Hmm. So it's just he went to work and he came home. That's pretty much how we knew it. And he didn't, was, did he act? Was he a theatrical uh, performer? He, his heart was in the, the theater. He did musical theater for a couple of summers up at the Sacramento, in California, Sacramento Music Theater. He did High Button Shoes and he did, uh, I have another one, maybe Take Me Along. I can't remember, but he uh, had a beautiful voice, a kind of high baritone voice and he, and he loved it. But no, he was not an actor. He was a broadcaster who then created the, the show that gave him quite an international platform to basically to do his, uh, his charity work. That's the greatest thing that came out of that for him. Well, my, I just watched some of your, uh, the, the role you did on um, Boogie Nights. And scary, I, scary Mommy. I forgot how intense that was. Oh my. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, it's not, um, it, it, it's nothing, that role, it was nothing uh, uh, that people had ever uh, seen me do, it was certainly, when you come out of the theater, or the, especially the musical theater, no one really jumps to, oh, let's, let's play a vicious... Vicious <laughs> <laughs> mother. Psycho mom. It was so much fun. Was it fun? I always wonder, it's fun. I, I was going to comment, too, that, I mean, you know, I've seen a lot of movies and not, not so many plays, but I've never seen a range 
any performer to go from like into the woods, this pristine, <laughs> beautiful command of your, you know, your vocal command and your acting and singing, and and uh, and then to go to that, I've never seen a range like that. And uh, and, I, and thank you so much. And I and I rarely, rare it is that a, an actor gets to do that mm. because it's very easy to keep casting people you know, based on their sort of factory settings. And I, the, um, Paul Thomas Anderson took a saw something in me in the audition and, and went for it. And I must say, I owe him a debt of gratitude because it was a chance to do something publicly, show something else that I would never have been given a chance to do. Did he have to do a lot of takes for something like that? No, frankly, I'll tell you, he was like 26 at the time that we made the movie. <laughs> and it was uh, Mark Wahlberg played my son, sweetest fellow, we were prepared, we rehearsed maybe one time through. And I think if he did three takes, that was it. And that was a scene that really just was tearing posters off the wall and it was, yeah. you know, flaying layers of skin off of each other and him throwing me against the wall. And uh, we did three takes and I went home. I went home shaking. <laughs> <laughs> so what's fun about that? <laughs> it's intense. You know, you get yeah. to work at a, at a pitch that you're, that you're not used to working at. And it was, it was thrilling. And Mark was a sweetheart and a doll, you know, making sure nobody got hurt. And, you know, but that was 26-year-old Paul Thomas Anderson. Wow. Yeah. Now, now I, I actually studied theater at Carnegie. No one was in Carnegie Institute of Technology. So I got a degree in the drama department, but I, I realized very quickly I wasn't going to be an actor. But I did take my first acting classes and, and the teacher, the very first uh, class, I think he said acting, he summed it all up. And he said acting is acting authentically in a make-believe situation. But yeah. so- Trying to be honest in an, yes, exactly. So relative to this, your performance in Boogie Nights, how do you, unless that's really you under the skin, <laughs> how do you act authentically? Where's that well, authenticity come from? They're all me, and in yeah. and in good uh, uh, in and in creative people, we get the chance to to use all those things that are in you. I've I've seen myself in the last few months and years, you know, a, a stream of stuff coming out of my mouth, you know, <laughs> in a way <laughs> that you would not okay. really expect from my public persona. And I thought, yeah, they're all me. It's just which ones are called upon to portray. Mm the task at hand to do the character as, you know, as written. So, so of all of your different musical Broadway performances, which, what is your you know, most favorite experience with all that? Well, obviously Into the Woods was extraordinary. It, you know, it brought me so much. It brought me friends for life, Chip Zion particularly. Um, it was a chance to work with Steve Sondheim and James Lapine. That's at the that's the pantheon, you know, right there. Uh, and in a role that brought me a lot of shiny stuff and, and notoriety. And because and because uh, PBS filmed it, and it lives. It has lived over the generations. You know, so so many more people, kids particularly, have have had a chance to see it, and uh, and relate to it. That. Um, I did a play by Stephen Karam, uh, who wrote uh, The Humans, and it was called Sons of the Prophet. That was, that was an extraordinary uh, play for me to do. I had also went into The Real Thing as a replacement uh, that Mike Nichols directed. I did three projects with Mike. That was pretty extraordinary. Um, I've had, you know, I, I've done everything on my bucket list, my theater bucket list, straight play, you know, uh, or musical all that kind of, I, I would be surprised if there's a play particularly that would draw me back when theater opens again, but there might be. 
Mm-hmm. As, for, as for a musical, I wrote a show. It's it, you know I, I did a show that I toured with my my three musicians and my uh, four musicians and three singers. It was it was autobiographical. It was very funny, very moving, and I did it at the Quick Center. I did it in November. Oh, out of the eclipse, right? Exactly, and to me that was the kind of musical work I like doing on stage where I guide the narrative and I pick the music. If you do a musical eight times a week, it's honest to God at the end of the week, it's like you've been in a car accident every, mm. every week. So I think I'm not for that anymore, but I, <laughs> there may be a play in the future, you know, short, limited run. <laughs> have, you, have you ever in any performance anywhere like forgotten lyrics to a song? Or, oh my God, yes. What do you oh. do in a case like that? Oh my God, the, the nonsense syllables that come out and the howls of Avandan. Like Reverend, and I was Erwin Corey or something. Professor Erwin Corey. Professor Erwin Corey, yeah. And you just do it long enough so that the audience <laughs> doesn't get that quizzical, huh? Uh-huh. Look. <laughs> yeah, I've forgotten lyrics, people have forgotten lines. I once jumped a page of dialogue in a script only to have my scene partner's eyes get so. <laughs> <laughs> We've had to work our way back. It it happens. It happens to everybody. Yeah. Well, do you want to talk about a little bit out of the eclipse? You, you were, it was last year at the Quick Center, and um, I, I saw a little. Um, again, could be apocryphal, but I no, it was you in the interview, so I think it came out of your <laughs> mouth. But it was about a dark time in your life, and you said coincidentally, or not, it it just happened to bookend a real eclipse, right? Uh, it, yes, indeed, it, it was. Um, it was 2017 and there was a, this very rare solar eclipse in, in August uh, where everything went dark. Depending where you were standing in the world, it, it went dark. And I started to think about that and I realized that in June of that year and in September of that year, I lost my mom and my dad. So mm-hmm. it was right in the middle of when everything went dark for me in a very mm-hmm. short time. And using that kind of as, a, as, a, as my imagery, I constructed a show that was about their lives, who they were, what you discover about your parents when they're gone, and you can look back. It's, it was a very funny show. It was also very moving. And then it got a little kind of a little more raw because it's about us looking into the abyss and what's next. However, it ends, you know, sort of upbeat and, and uh, uh, with, with, with I, I will say spiritual in the way that I, I put my faith in a lot of things and a lot of places, but I do very much put my faith in the power of other people to get you through. And that's sort of what it was about. And then I had the great good fortune of taking the show with my whole company to Los Angeles in February, where we played for two nights. And there were all my friends from elementary school through high school and college, and my parents' remaining friends who came to see the show. So it was very, and the nurse who took care of my folks. Yeah, it was. And then we got out of LA just when the news of this virus was hitting and we got home and hunkered down. I I thought I got in and out. I also made a short film that I wrote and directed, which was again, was about my parents, a very short film. But we got that done in December and I think, wow, there is no way to do either of those things now and won't be for a long time. And would they even be the Mm. relevant stories to tell, you know? Or all the all these stories about this of us people hunkered down. Um, yes, or set against the backdrop of this, or or the world post this, you know, or or the adjustment to the world uh, during this. So I feel blessed that I got to tell those stories. Now, do you uh, do you and your husband Chris live in in Westport or no? We live in Fairfield. Yeah, Fairfield. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, for, yeah my only connection. I mean, Trace has a much more meaningful one. Was I sat. 
I, I sat in front of your husband when at the Playhouse uh, Gala last year when you hosted uh, the Playhouse fundraiser. Uh, the Christmas one? Yeah. The Christmas one. The yeah. Christmas one, yeah. We love the Playhouse. Yeah. We love the Playhouse. No, it's terrific. Trace and I both apprenticed there in our youth. Well, so. isn't it a mag- it's a magical place. Yeah. It's just magical. So do, what kind of what's on your bucket list now that you haven't done that you'd like to do? I would like to direct a feature. I've written a feature that people like, and I think it's a feature that will have a story that will be part of all the stories that can be told in the, in, I, I, in the new world, I hate to say it, but mm. in the reshaped uh, world. So much is happening now that my bucket list includes things that are more community um, and world oriented than my own personal bucket list. So you know, have we have, we have these- change once this is like, I mean, what's going to happen? Do you have any ideas on that? Do like I have if ideas the virus about- calms down, we're going to all get like vaccinated, like you know, like nine, ten months from now. Or yeah, I, I do believe I do believe that will happen. I do believe we still have to be careful and care about each other. I do believe we're also, you know, we've cracked open so much that has been simmering beneath the surface that needs to be addressed, and we need to realize that when we tear each other apart, we're doing the work of the countries mm. that hate us mm-hmm, <laughs> yeah. actually fulfilling the agenda of the people who've always wanted this country to fail. And so it's up to us to, um, to see that light and to realize we can make changes, we can adjust, we can, uh, uh, we can instill a sense of, of co- a commonality uh, uh, of expression and of desire for this country. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to start at the bottom sometimes if it won't start at the top, but we're going to have to just see that it's inclusive. It has to be an inclusive. Yeah. I, I feel that, I don't know, unless you, education is sort of the base. You have to teach tolerance starting from yeah. K to 12. Yeah. Otherwise. Um, well, why aren't they being taught it at home? Yeah. That's what's the thing. If you started now, 25 years when the kids become parents, because a lot of this stuff passed on bigotries, you know, from parent to ch- children. Yeah. Um, and you're never going to cure, uh, you know, stop racism. But you can, I think you can decrease it so, somewhat with education. You, you can, and you can call it out. And if people would start to look, hold up the mirror and just see, you know, do I really need, is this really this knee-jerk reaction, this thing that's been ingrained in me through my family and generations of my culture, do, do I, what do I get from this anymore? Yeah. You know, if I'm not satisfied in my life, if I'm not getting what I want, if I want to point at somebody and blame them for what's holding me back, where does it get me? Somebody, somebody has said often, many people have said, it's like drinking poison and hoping the other guy dies. Yeah. That, that's what we've been, we've been watching a, a culture that's been poisoning itself. Yeah, a similar metaphor I heard was, was, was uh, setting your own hair on fire and hoping the other person chokes on the smoke. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a long way to go, but yes. Yeah, yeah, that's a long way. So do you, th- there was a mention of uh, this feature you just mentioned. Is that the grotto that I've heard about? How did you know about that? I, people, I have, I have, we have, we have people, we have people that know people. people. You have people, you have people that know people. That's ominous. But that's um, it, the grotto, it's about a healing, isn't there a grotto in Lourdes? You know, I was fascinated as a kid with the movie, The Song of Bernadette, starring Jennifer Jones, and she had a little lateral lish like that, and she was very cute. Mm. She, she was the girl, the peasant girl who saw a vision of the Virgin Mary, this is in France, and she was told to dig, 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 dig in a garbage dump, and she did, and everybody thought she was crazy, and soon enough she digs, and water, where there never was water, water appears, people drink the water, and they're healed, and they're throwing away their crutches, and mm. I don't know, I was nine, I was maybe nine or ten, and this movie 
just stayed with me because it was about faith. You know, it was about faith, but it was also, um, I, I don't know what it was at nine or 10 that drew me to this, but I, I created a, a grotto after the AIDS uh, uh, crisis made itself known and I was losing friends and we were all losing friends. And then decades later, I was thinking about creating uh, something in the desert. I spent a lot of time in Palm Springs because my, my grandparents had a little house that my dad bought for them there. They'd come down from Canada where it was mm. freezing and they'd come stay. <laughs> and then he brought all the relatives down. How the desert was magic for me. So one day I was walking in the desert, literally just walking in the desert. And I thought, what if there were a nightclub, a former nightclub, a former gay nightclub called the Grotto where people went to be healed just by hanging out together and getting oh. through this crisis together, but it hasn't been touched in 20 years and the restaurant's so-so and no customers come anymore. And the fountain by the plastic statue of the Virgin Mary with all the posters from the movie, the fountain doesn't work, there's no water. And it just, it took off from there about a woman who inherits this place when her fiance dies. Uh, and unbeknownst to her, she had no idea it existed. So I wrote this feature and people have responded in an extraordinary way. And now is not the time to press people to jump on board to make a movie this year. We have other things we have to get through this year, other priorities. But I'm going to start to lay the groundwork for it because of all this interest and maybe next year in a, in a perfect world, in a, in a, in a, in a vaccinated world, we'll, uh, we'll go make a movie in the desert. It seems, you know, very relevant. It's about healing and, and kind of... There's, know, a there's little miracles in it, too. It's, it's yeah. a little, little bit of subtle magical realism in it. And, and uh, again, it's about faith in other people. So what does the theatrical community... Do you teach? On, do you use Zoom for teaching? Are you a Zoom... A Zoom are you a Zoombie or whatever? I, I am a Zoombie. <laughs> I've been teaching for 30 years uh, in colleges and high schools mm -hmm. and private classes. And I have been doing some some Zoom teaching, which is wonderful for the kids. Uh, they're so they're feeling so isolated, and many of them aren't sure whether they're going to go to college, whether the college will be open, and many are graduating college mm -hmm. and don't know how do I get a foothold. And uh, patience will be the key, you know, and just keeping those keeping those flames, the fires burning, the creative fires burning. Yeah, it was, I think Kelly O'Hara did a thing for the Playhouse where she had auditions and had teenagers, you know, it was aud audition uh, yeah. through Zoom, right? Yeah. And it was very yeah. moving. I've been, doing, I've been doing things very so, similar to that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Have you ever been in a situation in the musicals or film, like with some really sort of uh, unpredictable circumstance happens? Uh, I don't know what I'm fishing for, but it's just an unusual... Uh, <laughs> experience on, on, on the set on stage uh, where there's like trouble but it's it, it works out the, what comes to what comes to my mind is I was doing a revival of on a clear day you can see forever with Robert Goulet and it was directed by Sir Alfred Drake a great no oh, yeah legend in the, in the American musical theater and Goulet and I were on stage and I played Daisy Gamble and it's the end and the psychiatrist Robert Goulet is falling in love with Daisy Gamble and it's the end and in the violins are going, nee, 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 nee. <laughs> we're, we're doing, we're saying, I love you. I'm about to leap into his arms and nee, 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 in the violins. Mm -hmm. And we hear down in like the second row, we hear somebody say, oh God, I'm dying. I'm dying. <laughs> and, we, and we freeze and the violins are going, nee, 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 you know, just like, 
we're not sure what to do and we hold and we wonder if people are going to run down the aisle to come and get this person who's clearly in distress. And then about, I don't know, it went on for like 20 seconds and then we hear, I'm better. Oh, okay. I'm <laughs> and I just thought that's the end. And we, we, we broke up. We just started laughing and then they finished the show and the curtain came down. Uh-oh. That was the most unusual experience. Yeah. Now, did you have, a, we interviewed uh, Scott Bryce as a local actor, and he, he yeah. was in a movie, he was talking about his early, he was young, but he found himself at a table read with Michelle Pfeiffer on his left, and I forget, Redford on his right or something, and there, somebody kind of, somebody came in the room and, and thought he was, um, he, he shouldn't be there. I said, well, you can leave now, as if he was like the coffee boy or something. <laughs> And Michelle Pfeiffer, I don't know, this stuck with me because it was just so, uh, it was such a sensitive thing, you know, said, defended him and said, no, this is a fine actor. You know, he belongs here with the rest of us. Like, you know, and he said that was really like a pivotal thing that gave him, that validated him. I'm just curious, are there any moments like that with other professionals that, not early in your career, you know, that kind of... Yeah, you know, by and large, uh, most of the actors I know in the theater and and, uh, and in film too, mostly, are lovely, lovely people. Mm. Because most of them are grateful to be doing what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was finishing Into the Woods. I, I had, uh, she said about herself, won the Tony already. And I was leaving at the end of June. And my final performance was a Sunday matinee. And at that time, Felicia Rashad was playing the witch. Bernadette had left the show after about a, a year. And Felicia was doing the witch. And Chip Zion was still the baker. And it was my final curtain call, leaving the show. You know, it was all that great. And as it, as it was always in the show, the cast takes their bow. They all kind of scatter, leaving me and Chip and the witch, and in this case, Felicia, on stage. And it was always Chip bows, and he leaves the stage. And then I bow, and I leave the stage. And then the witch comes down, set her bows, and leaves the stage. So Chip bowed thunderous applause, he leaves the stage, and I go to bow, and Felicia grabbed my wrist and said, wait. And she went down and took the second to last bow, leaving me on stage oh, to take a bow. And I thought, that is class with a capital C. Yeah, oh yeah. my God, who does that? It was just the loveliest gesture, and it just made the day for me. Yeah. It just made the day. Yeah, I'll never forget that. Now, how is it, because your husband's a fine actor, Chris Sarandon, and um, is it, does not acting together make for a good marriage or does acting <laughs> together or does a good marriage help acting together? No. Yeah, a good marriage. It's that order. We've been together almost 30 years and we've worked together often. In fact, we met during a, a Broadway flop musical, um, which shall remain, or you can talk about it if you want. But the good thing was that we met each other and we also don't really bring the work home. It's not interesting to have your day and then come home and just have to have your day all over again. So he's, he produced the short film that I made. So we were very much in it and the crew was, you know, staying with us. So, but we didn't really talk about it. We talked about life and we ate spaghetti and we played with the dog <laughs> and this is what we do. I mean, your work is your work and you go to work and you take your lunch in a brown paper bag and you eat your lunch and you come home. And that's the way to stay sane. If you have a problem at work and you need to discuss it, then that's over in about half an hour. Yeah. But aside from that, you, I've never felt the need to be so consumed with it or have to stay in character, whatever that is, you know, mm. that, that, it's, that it's put a dent in my able to be a, a fully, you know, <laughs> fully present person at home. 
I've like a sort of a simple production question, which might seem obvious, but so you've done a lot of sitcoms. Um, like a lot of times sitcoms say, you know, pr uh, film in front of a live audience. So like, for instance, like I've seen friends, they repeat that and I've seen that episode where you're smoking and Jennifer Anderson doesn't know whether to smoke or not. And I've seen that a million times. I mean, when they, sh so they, is it shot part of it in a live audience and then they do shots that are supposed to be outside and then they edit it all together? Is that how yeah. that works? I would say 90% of it is, is done in front of a live audience. You know, it also depends on how many sets they can fit on the stage. You know, there's the usual sets and then there are some new sets for in new episodes. But uh, we may have done one without an audience that got set in just because we had to do it in the back, you know, of, of the sets. So, but largely what you're seeing is done in front of a live audience. Oh, okay. So what kind of a, a middle day, end of the day, especially now when you're, there's limited opportunities, do you have... Um, you know, do you, what, what, what are your extracurricular, do you play bocce, do you have kayaking, hiking? I mean, do you have, what, what are your kind of personal? Well, let's uh, see now. There is the goal of walking, you know, 10,000 steps a day, which I rarely meet. Um, we cook, we're really the lovely cooks, so we've been trying some new stuff. Uh, I've been teaching, I've been writing. What else do we do? Well, we have a quite a huge garden and Chris is the farmer, right. so there's a lot of that going on every day. Uh, play with the dog. Um, leave out treats for the UPS guy. <laughs> oh, that's nice. <laughs> uh, that's a yeah, a big, the big thing of like power bars and um, uh, that kind of stuff. I've been uh, knitting, but now that it's getting to be a thousand degrees, the wool doesn't feel so, <laughs> so inviting. And binging on a few things, you know, watching TV. But basically, and we've been going, we have been out in the world more with, yes, with masks. And mm -hmm. sometimes I wear, you know, to pick up something at the curb sure. or to drop off something or to go to a doctor's appointment. I, we're feeling much less um, fearful about that because we have more information as to what yeah. we need to do. Right. Yeah. Same here. Yeah. So we're both bachelors. Any good recipes that, for bachelors that don't really know what they're doing in the kitchen, but could put something together, can you, you know. Can you buy a chicken? Buy a chicken. Yeah. Buy, a whole, buy a whole chicken. I usually buy them already pre-cooked because I don't. I don't even well, like to use my oven. You're not even trying. So. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't have one of those rotisserie things. Do we have to have a rotisserie. To no, no, no. Makes listen to me. You buy, <laughs> you buy a whole chicken, right? Yeah. Kind of rinse it off, pat it dry. Take out anything that's in the innards, like you know, gizzards or lizards or whatever. Got a lemon? Take a lemon. You stick the lemon with a fork, so you punch some holes in the lemon. Then you salt inside the cavity, stick the lemon in, shut it with a safety pin, rub it with olive oil, and put it in the oven, and it will be the best chicken you've right. ever had. You put yep. the lemon in the cavity. Right in the cavity, whole, yeah. but just with some holes stuck right. in it. Right, yeah. The juice comes out. Little salt in there, rub it with olive oil, put it in like a 375 oven, or no, put it in a 400 for like 10 minutes, and then 350 for till it's done. That's about another 40 minutes or so, depending on the size of the chicken. When the leg wiggles, 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 and you cut the thigh kind of where it joins the bird and the juices run yellow, yeah. it's done. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's a chicken for you. That's a chicken. <laughs> Can't be any easier than that. Oh, that's great. Yeah. That's my personal chef, Trader Joe, has an, always done a great job. Yes. It's What's time you struck out for yourself. <laughs> yeah. Well... Well, this has been amazing for you to give us your time. Um, it's a pleasure. It's nice to meet you guys. Yeah. I know I've met you. I'm actually, I'm pretty sure I've met both of you before. Well, we're townies. I mean, we both grew up yeah. in Westport and, um, and I've been here forever. But um, 
And of course, I've been aware of you forever. And, and one small complaint, I should oblige just at the beginning when uh, I was, you know, looking up your, um, getting, doing some research and, and found your Wikipedia page and pressed print. And my printer ran out of ink and paper because <laughs> there were so many pages. I mean, look at it, endless lists. You know, I have to tell you, I have never looked at my Wikipedia page because I did not write my Wikipedia page. And it's well, probably filled with inaccuracies. Well, forget, this is just like, this is just a list <laughs> of th things you've been I am, in. I Where am you... so old. Look at that. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. I, I mean, I've done a lot and I, I'm not done yet. And uh, we're the, the world has hit the pause button and there's a lot we have to clean up and a lot we have to reorganize and, and figure out, but um, brighter days. Mm -hmm. well, thank you. Yes, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you. And uh, thanks very much, Joanne. A pleasure.